Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 306 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how to dominate your opponent's backhand. And I'm going to give you five really specific actionable, practical ways that you can really pick on your opponent's weaker shots, make them super uncomfortable, win more points, and win more matches. And today's question comes to us from Nathan Miller, who wrote to me and said, when I hear someone say, attack his backhand, I always think, okay, but you can't do that without a good backhand yourself. Am I wrong? Well, Nathan, Yes and no. In short, yes and no. We're, absolutely, it helps to have a, a good backhand, but you don't necessarily have to have one in order to really exploit and attack your opponent's backhand. We're going to be talking about multiple ways to do both of those different approaches, and let's go ahead and dive into number one. Number one, the head-to-head pattern. This is what Nathan is talking about. And by the way, just quick kind of overarching theme here. We're talking about singles play uh, specifically. And also, for all of these, we're making the assumption that we're talking about a righty playing a righty. Now, you can still take these principles, and you can still take these ideas, and if you're a left-handed player playing a left-handed player, then of course it applies. You just have to switch it from do side to do side would be forehand to forehand for righty. And on the ad side, it's lefty to lefty. Left-handed players, you guys are, you know the drill. You're used to doing that. If you're a left-handed player playing a righty or a right-handed player playing a lefty, these same principles do apply, but not all of them as directly, meaning some of these are very specific. And so it won't always apply, but you can take the same principle and idea and work it around to to work in a scenario where it's a mismatch. There's a righty playing a lefty or vice versa. But these are definitely all single specific. And we could talk about this within the context of doubles. uh, But for the purposes of today's show, all singles focused here. So let's dive right in to the top five ways to dominate your opponent's backhand. And way number one, the head-to-head pattern, hand-to-hand combat. This is what Nathan was talking about, your backhand directly against their backhand. And this is a really, really important place to start in all of your singles matches to find out if you can come out on top in this exchange. And so as a right-handed player playing against a right-handed player, we're talking about the ad side, uh, the backhand side for right-handed player going cross-court. This follows the highest percentage direction in tennis, the lower part of the net, the the maximum amount of space to hit to, and other geometrical advantages such as uh, there's less uh, court to have to recover back towards when you keep the pattern and you hit back to where the ball came from. Lots of different things that we we won't go into depth on today because it's just not the focus. But when you go ad side to ad side, backhand to backhand, Best case scenario in your singles matches, you don't need anything fancy. You don't need any combinations or plays or special plans. It's just your weaker stroke, usually, versus their weaker stroke, usually, and you come out on top. And in my opinion, you should start all of your matches experimenting with exactly this. You should do it on the forehand side, and you should do it on the backhand side. Can I take this shot, either my forehand or my ma- or my backhand, play the highest percentage geometrical pattern or direction of shot 
And can I just adhere to that and comfortably win even just a little bit more than 50% of the points? If I can win 55% of the points going cross-court, nothing fancy, then that's a recipe for success over and over and over again. And a great strategy, fundamental element or foundational truth that I think is really critical is you should always strive to use the lowest risk necessary to win. If you're the type of player who goes out there and is constantly trying to find some complex, uh, deep, nuanced, fancy, like you're trying to keep your opponents guessing and never doing the same thing twice, constantly, you're trying to string together like a five-shot sequence to try to win a point, you'd better be on on any given day or else it's really tough to win because tennis is a game of errors. It is a game of managing mistakes. And so whenever you can get an edge doing something very high percentage, that is something that you should pay close attention to, gravitate towards, grab onto, and exploit and go to that well again and again and again. So Key number one here to dominate your opponent's backhand, feel your opponent out, see how their backhand matches up to your backhand uh, in the case of a righty versus righty or, or lefty versus lefty. And if you have even a slight edge, then as Nathan is suggesting, absolutely, go ahead and, and use that that advantage to in your favor and don't don't rock the boat or do anything overly aggressive or overly fancy if you don't need to. Now, Frequently, that won't get the job done, and that's why we have the other four uh, plays or plans or uh, ways that you can exploit your opponent's backhand. So let's go to number two. Number two way that you can dominate your opponent's backhand is by using an inside-out pattern, and that means that your strength will start to hit to their weakness. Instead of your weakness to their weakness, it's your strength to their weakness. All inside out means is the ball is coming in towards your body. Go go ahead and just just picture for me for a second. If you're driving or doing the dishes or whatever, just picture that you're standing right on the hash mark, right in the middle of the baseline, and you're a right-handed player, and the ball is coming from the ad side corner on the other side of the court. So from your perspective, look across the the net and to the right side corner, and picture a cross-court shot being hit by your opponent over to your ad side corner. So this is traveling across the center of the nets over to your backhand side, and you're gonna have to move to your left to get to the ball. If you allow the ball to go past your body and start moving away from you, that is an outside shot. When the ball is traveling further and further away from the middle, it has crossed your body. If you just put your arm straight out in front of you towards the net and the ball crosses that plane and continues to your left, that is classified as an outside shot. Now, if you move quickly over to your left and you make your way far enough to the left that by the time the ball gets to you, it's coming in towards your body. And so you hit the ball on your right side instead of on your left side while you're on the left side of the court, then that's an inside shot because the ball is coming in towards your body instead of traveling out away from your body. So inside out simply means that the ball is coming in towards you. So for those of you who are right-handed players, that means you're hitting a forehand on the ad side, a forehand on what would normally be your backhand side, and you're hitting it back out in the direction it came from. 
So you're just hitting a cross-court shot that would normally be a backhand, but you're hitting it as a forehand. That's all inside-out means. I know a lot of times people get uh, they get confused by that terminology, but it's it's really all, that's all it means is you're hitting a forehand on your backhand side, or it could be you're hitting a backhand on your forehand side. That would be an, an inside-out backhand if you hit it back in the direction it came from, cross court to the opposite uh, diagonal corner. So when you use that pattern, it's incredibly powerful. Because if your forehand is significantly stronger than your backhand, which for most players it is, then you should be looking hard to hit it instead of your backhand. You should be exploiting whatever possible opportunity you have to hit your stronger shot. And there's three ways that you can maximize that. Number one, work on your footwork patterns. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna belabor you with with a lot of descriptions of like footwork patterns in an audio podcast. But we have a, a lot of videos. If you go to our YouTube channel. Uh, youtube.com slash essential tennis or you go to our Facebook page uh, at facebook.com slash essential tennis you'll see lots of video instruction there and we, we've talked many times about about the footwork needed for an inside out forehand if your footwork is really clean and it's quick and it's efficient then you can move around more shots that would have normally been backhands and hit them as forehands instead. So the footwork speed, quickness, and efficiency is really critical. That's number, way number one, you can maximize that inside-out pattern. Number two, you can cheat. What I mean by that is you can leave extra space down the line on purpose for your opponent to hit to. So I want you to imagine, this is my one of my all-time favorite plays, I want you to imagine you're engaging in a backhand-to-backhand rally. So you're a right-handed player playing against a right-handed opponent, and you're hitting backhands back and forth, cross-courts, cross-court, cross-courts. Now, when you hit a backhand cross-courts as a right-handed player, either player, when you hit a backhand cross-court, you shouldn't recover all the way to the middle of the baseline, but you actually want to recover so that you're not quite all the way back at the middle because you just hit at an angle, which leaves other angles available for your opponent. And so the middle of their shots is a little bit skewed away from the center of the courts. Now, if you hang out even further and you don't go back to where you should go back to, but you kind of you, you move out to your left, you hit that backhand cross court, and instead of taking uh, three shuffles back, you just take two. Now you've left yourself with more opportunity to hit a forehand, you've also left your opponent more open court to hit down the line. Now, a lot of you are kind of antsy when I say that, and you're, you're feeling a little uneasy, and you're like, oh, I, I just I don't want to give up that opportunity to my opponent. I would encourage you to start experimenting, leaving them more down the line, open space on purpose. Dare your opponent to go down that line challenge them to see if they can hit it. Some of your opponents will be able to, and so it, this won't be a viable play. Other of your opponents will take the bait, they'll go for it, they'll, they'll try to slap a winner down the line, and they'll only make three out of 10 or four out of 10, which gives you a big upper hand. Uh, or they're just not very good at doing it, and it leaves you a weak forehand that you can dictate play with and do whatever you want with. But this cheating kind of hanging out a little bit further into the corner, if they try to go back cross court again, oftentimes will set you up with a really easy forehand coming in towards your body that you can then 
pound back towards their backhand. And this is exactly the pattern you want of your strength to their weakness. If you can figure out how to hit that repetitively, then it gives you a tremendous advantage at every point and can really add up and give you a tremendous advantage in the match. And then number three way that you can really maximize this inside out pattern is double down. After you get that first forehand, after you've kind of snuck around to uh, around what would have been a backhand to hit a forehand, and you've pounded it back out cross court towards their backhand over on the ad side, go ahead and just hang out there and wait for another one. And again, this is kind of an, another way of daring your opponent. So you, you've really gone out of your way to go around your backhand to hit a forehand. You've attacked their backhand. Go ahead and just hang out there. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that you know you stand in the doubles alley way out on the ad side, but you just don't quite recover back to where you both know that you should. And some opponents will notice this at some levels and other opponents won't. If your opponent notices it, it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on them or, again, kind of baits them into trying that low percentage shot down the line. Either way, anytime you can force your opponent to try and beat you with a low percentage pattern it bodes very, very well for you in a match. Remember what I talked about, the strategy foundation in the first way that you can dominate your opponent's backhand. Use the lowest risk needed to win. So if you can position yourself and pressure your opponent in such a way that they find themselves compelled to attempt low percentage shots while you're attempting high percentage shots, then you've just set yourself up for success over the long term. Are you going to win every match that way? No. Some opponents are going to have incredible banner days and they're just going to cream that down the line shot over and over again. And you, and when that happens, you need to adjust. You know, you don't just stand out there uh, in the corner and just leave them the whole court to hit you. You need to make adjustments. But what I am suggesting is you begin by pressuring them and see how they respond. See if they have the tools to come up with the shot that you're leaving them uh, available to hit. And if they do, then then kudos to them, and we, we need to try a different tactic. But you should always force them to try to work uphill. Always force them to try to win from behind the eight ball. And if they can prove that they can do that, then you can make an adjustment. But very few opponents that you play will be able to do that consistently. So already a lot of really specific, actionable stuff. Let's go ahead and move on to the third way that you can dominate your opponent's backhand. And this is with a neutral direction change with lean. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. First, let's talk about the neutral, neutral rather, direction change. So I want you to imagine that your right-handed player playing against another right-handed player. You're exchanging forehands back and forth. So you're sticking to that cross-court pattern. You're on the deuce side, or maybe the ball's just kind of going down the middle, back and forth, uh, but but more so over on the forehand side. And the two of you are, are kind of feeling each other out, strength to strength, and, and kind of seeing what the other person can do. This is a great opportunity for you to change the, dire- the direction away from that cross-court pattern with a high margin for error and a lot of safety. This is key. Remember, just a minute or two ago, I was talking about leaving an opportunity wide open for your opponent to try to change direction. And a lot of your opponents are going to see that opening and they're going to take the bait in a really aggressive way. And so they'll try to just crush a forehand down the line and try to hit a winner. You are not going to fall 
for that bait. You're not going to take that bait and try to crush it. Instead, what you're going to do is aim at least three feet over the top of the net, lots of margin over the top of the net. Four or five feet would be great if you can hit heavy top spam. Leave yourself at least four feet inside the sideline, not four inches, four feet, and at least six to eight feet inside the baseline. I, a lot of you are, are kind of in disbelief right now, probably hearing me talk about those measurements away from the lines. I'm telling you right now, the pros are not aiming a foot from the line. They're not aiming an inch from the line. They're giving themselves multiple feet inside the, the lines on most of their shots. Occasionally, do they need to thread the needle? Absolutely. But within the context of a baseline exchange where they're feeling out their opponents, they're jockeying for position, they're vying for position on the court, trying to gain the upper hand with patterns, they're giving themselves a lot of margin for error. Remember, tennis is a game of errors. And so when you change direction, so just imagine a, a cross-court ex exchange on the deuce side, forehand, forehand, back, forth, back and forth, and you know that you'd love to have the pattern shift to where you can put pressure on that backhand by your opponent, uh, the backhand of your opponent, rather. Go ahead and change direction, but with high margin, don't aim for the line. Remember, this is a setup shot. It's not a winner shot. It's a shot where you're trying to set up a different pattern instead of forehand to forehand. This would be especially useful if your opponent has a huge forehand and they've been dictating play and you're, you kind of feel like the momentum is shifting in their favor. This would be a great pattern to go ahead and use. So the neutral change of direction is the first shot. That's the down the line ball with your forehand three feet over the net, four feet inside the sideline, six to eight feet inside the baseline. And once the ball has been struck and, and it's traveling down the line, remember, you've got to bust your butt to get into position. You want to position yourself cross court from where the ball has, has, is getting ready to land. And so if you're in the middle of a cross court exchange and you hit down the line, you've got to get all the way across to the other side of the hash mark, the middle of the baseline, and get all the way across to the opposite uh, diagonal from where you just hit the ball. And so you've just created a little bit of extra work for yourself. And this is why it's important to give yourself some shape and give yourself some margin over the top of the net. If you hit a laser six inches over the top of the net and your opponent gets there, then it's very, very difficult to cover the cross-court shot as it's angling away from you and you try to get over to your backhand side. So give yourself a lot of heights. And if you give yourself enough height and your opponent lets you use all that time, you could actually put yourself in a position to hit another forehand on the next shot. And to be honest, this really kind of depends on the speed of your opponent's and it depends on the height of your shot and the speed of your shot. And it really dictates how much time you have to work with. But this is the lean that I talked about. The neutral direction change is the down-the-line forehand. The lean means that you not only get in the correct position to cover what would be a cross-court backhand on the next shot from your opponent after you change direction, but you actually move another three or four feet to your left and position yourself to be able to hopefully hit a forehand and continue to pummel that backhand side over on your opponent's side. Even if, you, even if your opponent gets a backhand back to you, that's totally fine. Uh, just go ahead and work that backhand to backhand exchange and then be patient and try to work for that 
inside out forehand. So that means maybe inching a little bit more to your left, a little bit more to your left, really kind of positioning for a forehand, uh, or seeing that there's a little bit of float on your opponent's shot and making an aggressive play to move around the ball and hit a forehand on purpose. Right back to play number two that we talked about. So that's the neutral direction change with lean. And there's a lot of different ways that that could shake out. But the bottom line is you're changing away from a forehand to forehand exchange and shifting the pattern to your opponent's backhand side on purpose. And then from there, jockeying for position to hopefully either pressure them with your backhand or hit a whole bunch of forehands to their backhand. And you're back in that that backhand domination uh, pattern once again. All right, so that's number three. Number four way that you can dominate your opponent's backhand is a serve plus one on the deuce side. And pros use this a ton. Federer uses this a ton. It puts you in total control when you're on serve and you can place your serve. And it's a huge opportunity for a one-two punch combination. And this is especially true on the deuce side when you're a right-handed player because your service motion naturally sets you up to pull your opponent off the courts and then also sets you up to be able to hit a forehand on just about anything that your opponent hits back if you place your serve really well. So the play is this. You specifically target out wide on the deuce side as a right-handed player. If uh, you're a lefty player playing a lefty player, you could do this exact same thing on the ad side using your lefty serve out wide on the ad side. But for for those of you that are right-handed players, imagine a heavy slice serve or even a flat serve where you target the corner on the deuce side. And so our goal here is to really stretch the returner out, uh, ideally pull them out of position into an uncomfortable spot. And then once you've gotten them to that position where they're off balance, out of position, hopefully stretched out and off the court, chances are from that position off the court, the ball is gonna float back towards the middle. It's, it's going to be very difficult for them to hit a cross court angle when they're pulled way out wide and stretched out. If you don't stretch them, then it's very possible the ball could just be struck cross court. And so the backhand uh, side of your opponent is only accessible through a down-the-line shot. On the, other, on the other hand, if you stretch them way out and they try hard to hit cross-court, but it just kind of floats to the middle or even kind of floats down the line a little bit, now you have a huge opportunity to hit your forehand at an angle away from them on a high-percentage direction, cross-court over to the ad side on the other side of the courts. And so you've just pulled them way off to the left cause them to float the ball to the middle, and now you have the opportunity to pull them way off to the right using your strong shot and ignoring your weak shot. This is a huge, powerful pattern that really positions you to control point after point on the deuce side. And there's a lot of other opportunities you have here as well. For example, if you kind of go to the well on this and, and you hit it again and again, and your opponent's really fast, and they start to anticipate this pattern, and they, they hit that return of serve and they just immediately start sprinting across to the ad side. You can mix it up and go behind them a couple of times. And what behind them means is simply if they're running hard to the right to try to get in position and they're kind of anticipating that you're going to the open courts, this simply means that you hit to the left instead of to the right. And kind of the obvious shot is to the open court on the ad side, but instead you go down the line on the deuce side and they kind of get crossed up or they just 
they've committed to running across and you end up just hitting a winner right behind them, meaning they're running in the opposite direction than the once you hit. I wouldn't honestly, I wouldn't try to be fancy and, and go behind them unless uh, they're really starting to read this pattern really early and they're, they're starting to kind of take advantage of it, you know, a little bit. If their backhand is weak, go ahead, let them read it. Let, let them anticipate it all day long. If their backhand is weak and you're pulling them way out wide on the deuce side, go ahead and just keep exploiting that pattern. Uh, if, if they're super fast, then you can start to hit behind them. But honestly, against most people, it's going to be enough of an advantage to just go out wide and then go to the open court with your forehand and just, just hammer that again and again and again and really exploit it. And that enough, uh, that, that alone will be enough to win you a huge percentage of points on your serve. Uh, lastly, you can also mix up your serve. And if they start really sitting on that, that wide slice serve and they start anticipating it and they're starting to kind of cheat over to the right, uh, to their right, and they're kind of all the way over in the alley because they're anticipating that you're going to try the, that one-two punch, go ahead and just, just hammer a serve down uh, the team and go, go behind them in, in that, that same kind of sense where you're going in the direction other than where they're expecting the ball. That's to their backhand side. Position yourself for a forehand and then go right back to the ad side and go right back in, into that inside-out pattern again, hammering your forehand to their backhand. So the deuce side's really powerful as a right-handed player. Lefties, for whatever reason, have become really, really good at doing this on the ad side. Your average right-handed tennis player doesn't do a good enough job exploiting these directional and geometrical patterns on the deuce side. This is a huge weapon that all of you righties can exploit against all players, but especially other righties. So we've gone through four different ways to dominate your opponent's backhand. The fifth is going to be another layer that you can add on top of any of the other four. Uh, but the first four, just to quickly review, number one, the head-to-head pattern. And that simply means your backhand to their backhand. And, and see if you have the stronger shot. And if, if so, great. There you go. That's, that's exactly what you want. Go ahead and exploit that. Number two, the inside-out pattern. That means... Vying for position, positioning yourself to hit as many forehands as possible to their backhand. Number three, the neutral change of direction and lean. That means when you have a pattern on the forehand side, forehand to forehand, change direction, position yourself correctly, and then even lean a little bit further to the left so you can get hopefully a forehand on the next shot and exploit their backhand. And then number four, the serve plus one, on the deuce side, the one-two punch to pull them out wide and then hit to the open court. Now, the fifth way that you can really exploit and dominate your opponent's backhand is the poke and prod. And this is just another layer of challenge that we can mix in on top of all those other four options. Poke and prod simply means you try different looks, you try different flavors, you try different nuances to the backhand to see what maximizes your opponent's discomfort. And that's gonna be different for different opponents. And I've got four different ways you can do that here. I'll go through these really quickly. They'll mostly be pretty self-explanatory, but wanna make sure that you're really thinking in these terms when you go out there and play your matches. So way number one is height. Some players don't mind the ball up above shoulder height. 
on their forehand or backhand side. Some players don't mind the ball down below, knee height on their backhand side. Other players are immensely uncomfortable with one or the other or maybe both. And too often, tennis players just go with the stock standard rally ball and they just give their opponents shots between their knees and their chest over and over and over again. If you can layer with the four options I gave you, the head-to-head, the inside-out, the neutral change of direction with lean, and the serve plus one, and layer on top of that more height or less height so that you're forcing your opponent to hit up above their strike zone or down below their strike zone, now you can really start to make them tremendously uncomfortable and give yourself a tremendous advantage in your points. Another way, another layer you can sprinkle on top is depth. And height and depth frequently go hand in hand. They frequently go together, but not always. They're not always connected. Uh, You can hit really deep without hitting high, and you can hit short without hitting really low. Of course, it it doesn't always work out too well, uh, but it is possible, and you should be experimenting, especially if your opponent is kind of answering the patterns that you're trying, and they're coming up with solutions to the problems that you're presenting them, then changing the depth of your shots and trying to really pin them deep or maybe draw them forwards and see if they can deal with a short ball. Amateur tennis players complain about short ball all the time. When was the last time you actually purposefully sat a ball up short on a backhand side to see if your opponent knew how to handle it? Well, that you might have a big opportunity there against certain opponents and you can mix and match that with height as well. And then the third thing is spins. Top spin, slice, flat ball, different opponents are going to have different preferences and you can mix and match this with height and depth. And that's the fourth thing is combinations. Mix up top spin with a lot of height to the backhand side. Uh, mix up slice uh, with short and not a lot of height to the backhand side and so on and so forth. And so you can mix and match height, depth, and spin while targeting the backhand side with those four different plays that I've outlined for you. And now you have, I mean, I don't know how many combinations. There's probably hundreds, maybe even thousands of combinations there between the four different specific plays and patterns that I talked to you about and and different patterns within those patterns that, that I discussed briefly. And now with these different combinations of height, depth, and spin, you have a, a, just a huge arsenal and playbook of different looks that you can give your opponents. I promise you, absolutely promise you, that there's one of these combinations or different mixes and matches of different combinations that we've talked about will make every player out there uncomfortable. Every player in the world. It really just comes down to your ability to execute it, and that's where the practice court comes into play, being able to execute these different directions, these different types of shots, different footwork patterns, uh, different targets, different shapes and spins, et cetera, et cetera. But this is the playbook. I've just, I've just totally <laughs> opened the book for you here. Uh, this is really everything you need to know. And there's, to be honest with you, not a whole lot of variations uh, left on top of this. We've talked about a lot in a very short amount of time. And so, Nathan, I hope this gives you a lot of ideas, a lot of different things to work with. So to quickly go back to the original question, can't you only do that with – or let me start from the, from the beginning. When I hear someone say attack his backhand, I always think, okay – but you can't do that without a good backhand yourself. Well, sure, a good backhand is helpful, 
but at least half of the different options we just talked about involve hitting your forehand instead of your backhand on purpose, setting your forehand up on purpose, one or two shots ahead of time so that you're purposefully hitting your stronger shot to their weaker shot. There's a lot you can do without a great backhand. If your backhand is solid, then of course, now we have even more options, but you don't need a great backhand yourself to attack your opponent's backhand and do it in a very reliable, very effective way. So hope this has been super helpful to you. Any one of the patterns we've talked about executed really well can help you win a match or a lot of matches. If you mix and match two or three of these against an opponent that has a weak backhand, beating you becomes really, really tough in that situation. And that's always the goal is to make yourself very difficult to beat by finding and exploiting those weaknesses and those patterns that give you the upper hand. Thank you so much for listening today. As always, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your attention. I hope this has been tremendously helpful to you and helps you win your very next match. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.